Thank you for downloading the In-Ear Entertainment up-and-coming podcast. For more podcasts and some brilliant audiobooks, go to www.inearentertainment.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the Up and Coming Interview Podcast. I am, as always, Mark Chatterley. You're stuck with me. But this week I am joined by an absolutely brilliant actor who, again, I've had the the opportunity to work with. At the moment I'm going through all of my connections because they're wonderful, wonderful people. I know they're brilliant. This is uh, the wonderful Charlie Elliott. Say hello, Charlie. Hello, Charlie. There he is. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) That's the funniest joke in the world. I love that joke. Um, We've worked with Charlie, we being in your entertainment have worked with Charlie, um, in our first ever audiobook, which was called They Who Cry Out Seek to Be Heard, which is a collection of horror stories by a, a new up-and-coming writer called Troy Blackford. And it's an amazing collection, and Charlie came in, um, not having known who we are, um, came in to record all the male-voiced stories of that. Um, and and you, you came in and you essentially saved the day for us, I believe, because the, the person we had booked had, had double-booked himself and, and then sent us a, a a message going, I can't do it! Ah! But this person is awesome, you should get him. And, and yeah. then you turned up. I think that's how it happened. Pretty much, yeah. It was um, Oshan, my friend from, um, well, a theatre I used to work in. Um, was double-booked and had to be in North Wales for about a week, um, including the, the date that the audiobooks are meant to be done, so uh, yes, I like to think I saved the day like a, as a superhero in a way. But it, it, it really was actually because I mean, when we do these, we we have the the studio booked and we have the the sound engineer, and so obviously all of that costs money. And and having to phone up a, I think it was only like two days before or something like that. Um, you you yeah. stepped in and saved the day, and it was absolutely brilliant. So I can't thank you enough for that actually. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Which, which is, I suppose, is is an interesting question. Is usually we try and get the manuscripts out to our actors who are going to read them, sort of a week or so in advance, so you can sit down, you can read them, you can digest them. How did you cope with with just getting the stories delivered to you two days before? Did you did you have to like just block out huge amounts of time to learn them, or did you wing it? Um, I kind of winged it a bit, really, if I'm honest. <laughs> Never tell me that. <laughs> okay, that's, that's... I did set um, some time apart to kind of uh, get a grip on them and um, have a read through and kind of understand what the characters were and work on different voices and things. But it was a matter of sort of three or four hours tops that I spent on it before I got to the studio. I, I suppose you had the advantage that we. You, there was a fairly long train ride to get to where we were recording, so you, you had the train ride to at least read up on it. Uh, yes, yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good couple of hours um, I had on the train. So, yeah, I did read through them again and just kind of re-familiarise, um, understand what the voices were meant to sound like in my head. Um, if they came through when I actually recorded it, that would be good too. But, um, yeah, it was just um, yeah four hours one day and then a couple of hours on the train on the way there. So how do you do that? That's uh, what I, I find quite interesting. Not being uh, a, an actor is how do you come up with the voices? Do you, as you're reading, do the voices just appear in your head, or do you have to kind of build up a character to get them? Um, it kind of varies. It's a mixture of the two, really. Um, some of them are just there from sort of just reading it aloud, or even just you know reading it and then just hearing the voice in your head. They just kind of happen. 
Um, with other ones, there are a couple that I did have to kind of work on to find the right sort of sound for them because it kind of maybe strayed away from a particular accent or kind of changed the tone or maybe didn't suit the character. So, um, yeah, it does vary. Some of them are just there and they happen and great. Other ones, you do have to kind of try a few things out and sound like a crazy person. Um, sort of sitting in your living room with the windows open, people walking by, by thinking, what the what's going on over there? <laughs> what, what, what's that person or four people doing? That's very confusing. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, it's um, you, some, some of them you do have to just work on a bit more. But uh, I think with the characters that um, I, I'd got from uh, the stories that uh, Troy did, they were kind of just, they were just there because it was, um, they, they were written um, quite well in, in terms of different characters. So just kind of slipped in. Yeah, and I, I suppose I agree. Troy's got a very good style of writing that each of the characters are are, are very distinct. There's no two that are similar. Whereas you, you, you see in some other writers' work, they, they like um, writing about very similar characters, which I imagine makes the coming up with the individual ha- voices slightly harder. How did you find the, the female characters? Because this is quite an interesting... I went to a, a meeting for um, various people who like audiobooks and produce audiobooks, and then there were lots of discussions about uh, male voice actors doing female voices and female voice actors doing male voices. How did you find doing the, the female voices? That was probably the most challenging part, really, working out what would sound ridiculous and what would sound like it. Because there's, there's no way around the fact that, obviously... I've got a male voice, um, so to do a female character, it's got to sound like it's meant to represent being female, but then it obviously won't sound like it is female. It's I'm not saying this very well. Um, it's fine. Kind of finding the right sort of um, balance between um, trying to sound like a different character and trying to sound more feminine, I suppose, in a way, and finding where it where the two ne- needed to kind of meet. Yeah, uh, so it's kind of a weighing up of different factors, and and I suppose they're quite complex factors because I, where you're saying that I was trying to think of what defines a female voice, and it's not necessarily just higher pitch. No, no, it's not. It's um, it's. I mean, every character will have a different sort of tone or quality to the voice to some um, degree, but with the female ones, normally, yeah, it is a higher pitch, but there's also, um, there can be a softness to it, there can be a, a maybe a, a harshness, there was one character actually that was um, a bit of a sort of authoritative cow, <laughs> to put it nicely. Um, so for her, it was slightly higher, but it became a lot more nasal through the characterization. But um, yeah, it was an interesting sort of um, challenge, really, to work out what would sound best. Um, and yeah, I think pitch has a lot to do with it, because um, obviously having a deeper voice doesn't necessarily lend itself well to presenting a female character when or they, or the sort of um, reader or listener, I suppose, can hear is the voice. Yeah, yeah. So it had to change in some aspect to become a slight stereotype for the sort of this is a female character, the voice is slightly higher. 
but without it going too far and um, to sound like I was sort of doing a falsetto. But... I agree. I, I I said this um, in in the other podcast I do, which is about Shakespeare sonnets, and we we got onto a similar subject. Um, which is that I quite like stereotypes, not from the sense of what they are and what they represent, but in terms of when you're writing, they give you a base set of um, tropes or uh, a base set of parameters that you can work off of that are a common shared knowledge. So I suppose yeah. maybe, uh, I don't mean stereotypes in the sense of, of necessarily offensive stereotypes, but when you when you start thinking the female character your brain goes okay their voice is higher they probably have slightly more rhythm in the way they speak they they are softer in the way they speak and that's they're not universal truths but you can use them to then build a character around it yes yeah i think stereotypes or kind of character types in general are a great way to start a character off um whether it's for like voice acting theater or whatever if you look at kind of the the basis of each character and what you can learn about them through whatever script or whatever you're working with if you find out what those sort of base points are if it forms a form of stereotype and you work from well I find I, I can work from that to then add the little sort of nuances that are going to work for that particular role yeah yeah um, so yeah I think the stereotypes are, are kind of useful um, really, because people understand what they are, apart from anything else. Um, so if, for example, using this audiobook again, um, for the female role, you go with the female stereotype to start off with, people understand what, what it is you're doing, and then add in the little sort of character parts from there. Yeah, which, which, which makes it a fully rounded character. The the. Yeah. The stereotype starts as the, I, I suppose, uh, I guess I've tried to explain this to people before and they get very hung up on the stereotype part. And, and it's a a base, it's a foundation to build upon, which you also take away from as well. You yeah. you, you remove things from the stereotype to make your character um, a, a fully rounded person, I guess is how I would see it. And that sounds quite similar to, I think, how it sounds like you, you work on this. Yeah, very much so. I mean... Um... Most recently, um, I've been doing a feature film yeah. um, where I describe the character to people who ask me about it as um, a sort of reclusive geek, okay. essentially. Um, and that's basically his stereotype that he starts out as. But then there's so much more to him that kind of, well, he develops through the film as well, but um, there's so much more to him at his very sort of base points. But without having to go into the entire sort of character details of everything about him he is a reclusive geek yeah, yeah so that is a basis to work from then you find the rest of the character it's exactly the same for any other character if you can find the sort of um kind of small sentence kind of couple of words to kind of sum them up that's essentially their type of stereotype um and you build off build off um that really what's this movie called that you've been working on um, it's called Parallel Lines. Look it up on Facebook. Uh, it's uh, we, well, we've almost finished it. We've got the um, kind of big finale to do now, um, which is going to be fun. Do you, do you often? Because I, I, my my knowledge of, of recording film and TV um, is that things tend to be recorded out of order 
Or, or, uh, so yeah, is it just coincidence that you've got the final scenes to do at the end this time round, or is that was that intentional? Uh, no, it wasn't intentional. It just um, it's the way that it happened with uh, the way that um, sort of location booking and things kind of fell into place. They're not quite the final scenes because we did those a few weeks ago, um, but it's the kind of uh, big sort of climax that we're doing last, which I think is a nice note to end on, but I think that's purely coincidence because, I mean, we did the beginning um, a few weeks ago as well, um, at the same time that we did the end. So uh, it does all kind of fall into various sort of uh, misshapen sort of places, but it's all to do with location booking, really, and scheduling. I, I, and that's, I find that really um, intriguing because I, I, uh, not being an actor, it must be so hard to come into it and go, well, okay, this is three quarters of the way through the movie, so my character's at this point now. And, and being able to get into the right mindset and the right feelings and emotions for the character that without having played through the whole role from beginning to end... Yes, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I mean, obviously with things like um, working in the theatre, it's it's always, you know, top to bottom of, of the story. Um, and that's what I was used to. Um, that's, that's where I started with acting, really. But I know with film, if you've been working on a script for a certain amount of time, I mean, and this, this particular project has gone back like two years now um, since the first audition for it. And so I've had kind of, well, different draft of the script, but I had the early draft um, two years ago, and so I've been able to look at it from there, and um, so I've kind of really gotten to know how the character is going to be and what, what's meant to be going on um, at every single point in the script, so I think given time, it, it makes it easier. I think if I was given sort of a script to audition with and got the part today, and I was filming in a month, that would be a bit more challenging, I think, because there isn't so much time to work on um, exactly how the character's going to be at each point through the story. Yeah, you have to. You haven't got the time to figure out the character's journey inside and out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that obviously you need to have two years to kind of study a script that much, but um, I think it definitely helps. But yeah, there's. I think it takes time to really understand how it's going to be. Or you can just wing it on set. That could also work. <laughs> just, just, just wing it. <laughs> I, I, I see you. You quite like the winging it approach with the audio books and. <laughs> I, I actually, I don't wing it all that often, if I'm honest. I do do, I do prepare a lot. And I think, I think that shows because you, you had some exciting news. Uh, was it was this week? It was this week or last week? Um, you're, you're now officially a member, a full member of Equity. It was about two days ago, I think. Which is um, it's not been not been very long at all, um, but yeah, I finally got enough sort of paid work and the motivation to um, kind of start getting myself further. So yeah, I started out as a student member um, through my university course, and now because I've had enough paid work to kind of warrant it, I've uh, been able to upgrade. So, so if there is anyone uh, listening who who wants to to sort of pursue a career in acting, can you explain? Uh, what equity is and why it's important that you're now a member of it? Um, well, it's basically the Actors' Union. Um, so it's the same with any other sort of trade union. It, it's there to support you if, if necessary. Um, so say there was some sort of payment dispute after you've done 
um, say, a, a film shoot for a short film, and they're saying, oh, no, we weren't meant to be paying you that much. It's meant to be this much less. Um, <clears throat> but you know that it's not. You've got them to back you up, basically. Um, as well as kind of being able to say, yeah, I'm a full member of equity, um, therefore minimum rates to pay me to work for you would be this for that particular project. You don't necessarily have to do that, but it's nice to have the option yeah. to say, this is the minimum that I will work for. And, and there are jobs that you can only apply for if you're an equity member? Um, there probably are. I haven't found any that have been like that so far, but um, I think it certainly helps to have it um, there on your side. Um, and there might be some people who only want sort of equity members, because it's, it's a sign of being an actual professional actor. Um, if you are a full member of equity, because you can only be a full member if you work professionally as an actor for, for proper money. Um, so It's a good, it's definitely, if, if you are kind of working your way up the acting runs, it's a, it's a big milestone to, to come across. It definitely is, yeah. I mean, um, it's a difficult thing to get into. Um, in a way, I was very lucky that I could have been a student member because I had a foot in the door then. Um, but, yeah, you do have to find yourself paid work. It's the same with anything, though, anything to do with starting off in acting. Um, <clears throat> you might not necessarily start out with an agent. You're not going to start out as a member of equity. You're not necessarily going to be able to get paid work straight away. Um, and you won't be able to be on Spotlight without paid work, same as you can't be a member of equity without it. Yeah. So it's um, it's difficult to get into, to get started, but once you do, and the ball starts rolling, then it becomes a bit easier. Um, so you, you've got to really persevere to kind of keep going and, and get somewhere with it. And hopefully it means that we'll be seeing you on in movies and, well, we've got this movie coming up and on TV and everywhere in, in, the, in the coming years. Hopefully so, yeah. Um, I, I, it's kind of been roughly uh, 20 minutes we've been talking so I'll ask you one more question uh, and then we shall sort of draw it to an end but I, I just wonder what is your favourite medium to work in um, do, do you prefer uh, voice acting or stage acting or film acting, TV acting what, what is your preferred area I do like them all um, that's a cheating answer I'm not, I'm not going to take that as an answer <laughs> Well, no, I do like them all. Um, I started out in the theatre, so I thought that that was going to be sort of where I really wanted to kind of settle. Um, I've only had a couple of experiences doing sort of voice acting only, so I can't really comment on that so far. Um, I have enjoyed both of those experiences, but um, I think for me it's, it's film. I do love doing filming work. And why, why is that what makes film... Is it is it more exciting? Is it more varied? What what or does it allow you to get into a character more? What 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 is it that you like about it? I think it's just yeah, it can be a bit more varied. Um, with theatre work, it kind of it lasts for longer, um, so you're stuck doing the same thing for a, normally a longer period of time. Whereas with film, you can kind of one day you you can go and do a shoot um, where you're let's go with reclusive geek. Um, where you can do, be doing that character and then sort of a couple of days later you can be on another shoot where you're playing a complete psychopath and you know it's there's a quick sort of turnover for it so you get more variety 
Um, but also just the way that film sets and, and things work, I think I really enjoy. Um, but I can't put my finger on what it is about it. Um, but maybe you just feel more at home there. That makes that makes sense. Yes, yeah, but I'm not entirely sure why. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I think filming is is where I prefer to be. Excellent. That's good. That's a good answer. Um, well, we shall we shall draw this to a close. So where, if someone wanted to find out more information about you, where or, or say follow you on social media, are you on any of the networks? Where would be best for people to find out about you? Um, if you want to get in touch with me in some way, then um, I would suggest going through um, Casting Call Pro or Star Now. Um, you'll find me there as Charlie Elliott. That's with two L's and two T's. Um, and yeah, you can find me on there. Um, I would love to say that I was on Twitter, but I don't understand Twitter, um, even though it's meant to be really good to get going. Um, also, LinkedIn, I'm on, which I don't fully understand. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Every everyone I know who is on LinkedIn always prefaces it, always uh, suffices with that. It's like, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not quite sure why, but I am. <laughs> yes, yeah. I was advised to get on there by a director, and so I, so I did. Um, but I'm I'm still not entirely sure what I'm on there for. <laughs> I turn up. I had this exact same discussion with with uh, another working actor yesterday about LinkedIn. It's very bizarre. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Um, it's huh? been a pleasure to, to have a nice chat with you. Excellent. And now you're a big movie star. I will have to try and book you on some sort of big project in the future. Excellent. Look forward to it. Excellent. Uh, thank you very much. And, and um, anyone listening, we will hopefully have another one of these next week. And you can listen again. Um, thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the In-Ear Entertainment up-and-coming podcast. For more podcasts and some brilliant audiobooks, go to www.inearentertainment.com.